This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Pop, and today we are going to be going over the 8th edition meta. Uh, we are also going to be talking about BAO predictions, uh, uh, the ATC lists, uh, ETC lists, specifically Team Happy, the winning ATC team, specifically uh, their lists, um, and of course... ETC teams. Um, I instead of going into that huge word document that got posted online and looking at all of the teams, I decided I would go and just look at Team Germany's teams or Team Germany's lists, um, both to you know put them out there to the public for you guys, and also for the ETC players so they can you know figure out how they're going to play against that list. Uh, Team Germany, of course, they're the defending champions. Congratulations to them. Of course, being the defending champions, you've got a big target on your back, uh, which is why I decided to highlight you. Um, so, before we get to that, I would just like to say that this li- this podcast is going to be a little bit rambly or that's a, a verb. It's, it's going to be, there's going to be some rambling. Um, it's not going to be concise. I do have some notes. I'm going to follow them as best as I can. Um, and there's no guest this podcast, uh, not because I couldn't find someone to record with, um, but because I wanted to give you guys my pure, unfiltered, unadulterated voice and argument. Um, I didn't want someone else coming in here uh, with back and forth that might get a little confusing. Um, th- you know, th- we might not be able to get our, neither one of us would be able to get our points out completely. Um, there may be arguing, and that's because finally I'm going to be talking about um, the Alpha Strikes and the 8th state of the 8th edition meta, um, and maybe rules changes, and, and just basically some 8th edition theory, um, because right now there's a lot of people online, uh, either they're worried about 8th edition, they're worried about the state the meta's in, you know, with uh, Ravenwing, or uh, not Ravenwing, Razor, Wing, Flock Spam, Brimstone Spam, Storm Raven Spam, Tau Commander Spam, Imperial Knights. Um, there's a lot of different parties that are arguing a lot of different things about things they don't like about the 8th edition meta, and we all have different opinions, and I'm going to try and stay as objective as I possibly can and just talk about the facts, winning lists, um, what real problems are, what aren't problems, and what I've heard from other people. Um, and I just think bringing a second person into this um, would it would potentially cause more of an argument than just me explaining to you guys what's going on. Um, so if that comes off as uh, a little bit uh, conceited, uh, I'm sorry, um, it's not that I'm better than someone else. I'm sure someone could probably explain it a lot better than me. Um, but it's just I wanted to keep uh, one singular message to you guys, and that's it. Uh, so 
Sorry, guys, no guests, no amazing Jeff in control, no Reese, uh, no Frankie. I know a lot, some people have been asking for them to come back on, um, but we will bring them on in the future. So moving on to the tournament results. Uh, first, I'm going to talk about the ATC. The ATC is an event that did just happen. It's one of the big events that would shape the future of 8th edition 40K and the 8th edition meta. Uh, so it was, it was a big event. Um, every year, the people bring cheesy crazy spam lists this year was no exception uh the winner the winning team team happy i just want to congratulate you guys uh aaron along aaron towler justin curtis uh tony grapondo uh and tim i don't tim i'm so sorry buddy i don't know your last name man um but you guys you guys are all phenomenal players tony grapondo made the top table last year at the lvo round six he was on stream Lost to Brandon Grant. It was a great game. He's a phenomenal player. Aaron Along, of course, needs no introduction. Justin Curtis made the top eight at the LVO last year. Aaron Towler upset Jeff Robinson two years ago at the LVO um, and is a force to be reckoned with. I think he's currently a combined like 10 and 2 at the LVO with, with the Sunday minigame RTTs. Like, I think he won one of those. And then I think one year, I think he lost to someone I know. Not 100% sure, but Aaron Towler always brings his A game. Uh, and Tim. Tim uh, Blank, uh, I believe um, you guys called him the Chief Bean Counter. Don't know much about Tim, um, though. If Team Happy wanted him on the team, it's probably it's probably a solid player. It's probably a really good player. So Tim, sorry man, if you want to email me or if you want to message me and tell me a little bit more about yourself, I'm very curious. I'm sure you're probably a really interesting guy. Um, but anyways, let's go on to the list. Uh, Tony Grappando. Let me just go ahead and pull it up here. Tony Grappando ran um, Astra Militarum, lots of Wyverns, Manticore, Scions, Conscripts. Uh, he had Sergeant Harker. Um, basically, a lot of min shooting um, and a lot of bodies uh, with the Scions, with the Alpha Strike. It's a really, really nasty list that can take advantage of, to basically wipe out hordes. Um, it can kill balance lists really well, which is something you want to do. Um, and it really, it, it can really uh, take a Storm Raven list to the face and fight back was i think what they wanted tony to do it looks like actually more like an all comers list or a defender list they probably put tony up there um because it's got a good mix of everything it can alpha strike it can defend it can take objectives uh it can play it can uh table opponents um, so i think i would reckon that that would have been the alpha the, or the defender list just because it looks so well-rounded compared to the rest of the lists um aaron along brought five storm ravens dante captain and 15 scouts pretty standard 15 storm raven list there's not a lot of counters to it um the only thing that you would potentially lose to in this specific meta is if the storm ravens don't go first uh if they have something like a three night list right that that might give the storm ravens some problems um because they can maybe potentially shoot down one storm raven bring another down bottom of tier and then you can't kill a knight back maybe um so the storm of list just they can't be defenders people bring stuff specifically to kill them uh and there's since because they're spammy list nature of the beast means that uh, if you go extreme one way uh you're gonna get rock papered or scissored the other going the other way from another list that goes the exact opposite direction of you um that's just the way spam lists work uh which is why they're also unfun because they can create these lose or win by turn one scenarios where both players know going into the game who's going to win and who's going to lose just simply by the matchup and by the list uh, which is unfun um, but that's that's spamming that's ATC this is a team tournament it's a completely different environment uh, Justin Curtis brought a demon list of course Justin of course he brought the demon list he's one of the best demon players I know I was actually talking with a buddy of mine um, we were talking about some of the better demon best demon players we've met uh, and Justin Curtis's name came up a few times uh, along with Nick Nanavati uh, uh, pajama pants. It, it 
you know, uh, Brett Perkins. There's a lot of really good demon players, especially demon players. Um, and Justin Curtis is one of them. He's he's up there. Uh, I only just barely met him this year, barely found out about him this year, or specifically last year at the Atlanta GT. He's an amazing player. Uh, he brought a demon list that I think I think probably is a really interesting list. It brought Magnus, Bellicor, brought a Heldrake, a Mauler Fiend, um, Terminators to Deep Strike, uh, and probably a ton of Brimstone Horrors. Uh, so Bellicor is really good. He's a character. He can probably hide behind Brimstone Horrors, buff, go out, kill stuff. Um, the Heldrake and the Terminators, I think the Heldrake's job was to be a nuisance and just get in people's faces, which is something Heldrakes are really good at this edition. They're not super killy. They don't, they don't go in there and they don't uh, roast marine squads like they used to, but they are really good at flying down the field at your opponent and tying things up in close combat. So if your opponent has, let's say, five assault cannon razorbacks, right, um, that can't really kill a Heldrake if they all shoot at them, but the Heldrake having a nice big template and a nice big body can, or not, not template, base, uh, can go in there and maybe tie up three or four razorbacks. So they have to leave combat, which means they have to shoot, uh, which means they can't shoot, which means that the Heldrake stopped m potentially a, f a quarter of their opponent's shooting. You know, maybe more, maybe less. Uh, it's just, it's, Heldrakes are really good disruption units, um, and that's what you should be using them for. You shouldn't be using them to kill, uh, to kill your opponent's models or for air superiority anymore. Uh, and then, of course, Tim brought five Storm Ravens, Drago, a Grey Knight Dread, uh, and Acolytes, which is just another Storm Raven list. I imagine the Grey Knight Dread jumped around, killed stuff, Drago buffed the Storm Ravens, and the Storm Ravens just did their jobs. Uh, it's just exactly, it's, a, it's very similar to Aaron Along's list. And then Aaron Towler, my boy Aaron, brought Gilliman, Robots, Castellan Robots, Devastators, uh, an Ancient, Scouts, Talion, and a Canonist. Um, the Canonist is probably just a cheap HQ choice. Uh, maybe he gave it like a Meltagun, or I don't know. Prob it's probably just a cheap HQ choice to run around. Uh, and then the Scouts of Talion, I don't know how many Scouts he brought. I am personally not a big fan of Scouts of Talion. Um, I don't think Scouts, Sniper Scouts are as good unless you're deep striking them like a Vindicare. Uh, if you bring Scouts and and like Lias Isodon, for example, I think that's really nasty because he can deep strike potentially 30 scouts. Uh, so if you think about it, he pops up somewhere with 30 scouts who have camel cloaks. They have plus two to their save in cover uh, and they have sniper rounds. So you're putting 30 shots re-rolling to hit. Sixes do mortal wounds. Uh, deep striking, so you can put them wherever you want. Kill whatever you want. Kill whatever character you want. Um, it's it's really strong. You could At that point, you can start killing Gilliman with those scouts. Um, it, it's a pretty hefty point investment, but it's also... Uh, a bomb essentially right and then you're also putting 30 bodies on the board uh anywhere which is which is not bad it's pretty good uh, but it, it worked out for him obviously team happy they did really well uh, but that's those that's the list uh, i just want to thank black blowfi for reporting and covering their lists and getting aaron along and getting in and interviewing him um some brief highlights about the interview aaron along did talk about storm raven lists and how they were a bit of a problem they were unfun uh aaron along said and i quote uh uh though i will say in an event where deploy first go first isn't automatic this list won't do as well and i fully support changing this mechanic um so this is a guy who who is a competitive player um who who knows what lists are good, and he's saying that the list he ran and he won with, list, a list that made him money, maybe not a lot of money, um, but a list that got him a win, got him something something valuable, um, he's willing to part with it uh, to say that, you know, to, to make the game, for basically for the health of the game, which is, which is 
it's very noble of them. It's very big, and it's it's exactly the kind of mentality we want to promote. Um, competitive players who who have things at stake uh, in that if their list changes, they might not win again, or they might not win events. Um, when competitive players do that, and they want to change the list, they're running so that other people are having fun. That's the epitome of selflessness. Uh, so Aaron Elong, glad you said that publicly, man. Uh, kudos to you. And I, I agree in the sense that you should always work towards making the community better, the tournaments more fun, uh, regardless of what list you're running, right? So if like tomorrow, if everyone decided, you know what, Guillemin, he's on fun, everyone's running him, uh, we should ban him, and more people would come to the events, uh, I would be down. I'd be like, okay, let's ban him. Sorry, Guillemin, I love you, buddy, but, uh, you know, make the more, it, it would eventually put more money both in uh, the Frontline Gaming's pocket, the company I work for, um, but also in other TO's pockets and in GW's pockets, which means, of course, that all of those individual organizations expand um which means more great stuff for us uh which means a bigger community which means more people with more new ideas uh which means potentially maybe esports maybe a bigger step in the right direction so that that kind of openness and honesty and selflessness is exactly what we should be doing um it's awesome that that's basically it that's the the state of the meta uh the ravens fam lists are real they are dangerous uh as aaron said they won't do as well in a in a setting where you don't automatically go first for drops uh which is something you want to keep in mind um so if you're going to like the bay area open for example you're not going to see as many storm ravens as you will razor wing flocks uh brimstone horrors conscript spam orc spam like be like 300 boys um horde armies essentially you're going to see a lot more of them so just keep that in mind uh i'll go ahead and get into that more in the podcast a little bit later when i talk about my bay area open predictions but for now uh just keep that in mind in the back of your head now going on to team germany's etc list there's a, a list compilation drive that was shared online for etc lists uh and let's go ahead and just go straight through team germany's list i have it all right here uh Player one, David. David is the team captain. He is running a Space Wolf list. He is running one, two, three, four Storm Fangs with Hellfrost Destructors, Stormstrike Missile Launchers, of course, and and uh, two Twin Multi Multis. So a lot of really heavy shooting, and um, those are definitely geared towards killing other people's flyers. Um, Logan Grimnar, Rune, two Rune Priests, because uh, Rune Priests are amazing. They can give them an additional minus one to hit. Uh, because of their powers, the Space Wolves won the power lottery in, I think, Tempest Storm uh, or something Tempest. It, it's the one where a unit has minus one to hit, either to its shots or one of your opponents has their shots are minus one to hit or one of your one of your uh, units are, are harder to hit. One or the other, it's still really, really good. Um, and then two Wolf Guard Battle Leaders with Jump Packs, uh, presumably to follow the Storm Fangs around. It's not a not a bad list. It's in the same mold of Storm Ravens. Uh, there is Fritz and his Imperial Guard Astromilitarum list. It's actually got a, it's got sisters Imperial Guard and a fish, uh, assassins. Um, so basically, he's probably running. Yep, a Calexus assassin who's who's actually still really hot right now. I'm not a big fan of him. Um, I don't I don't don't dig his aura. The minus two instead of the completely shutting powers isn't that great. I, I do get that their shooting is a lot better if there's psychers around them. Um, which could potentially kill psychers, uh, but they're still, they're still, I still don't like them. Um, and he's only running one of them too, and I'm not a big fan of assassins being run in in, in singles, solos. I I think two assassins do work a lot more work. 
Um, anyways, he's got nine by four by nine rattlings with sniper rifles, of course. A uh, ton of infantry squads with las cannons. One, two, six infantry squads with one las cannon each. I'm sorry, four las cannon each. Four las cannons each. That's that's crazy if that's right. That's the heavy weapon team in parentheses four. I'm just trying to make sure. I think it's actually I don't know. I can't read this. I think it's just one last cannon each. I think they're 60 points each. I don't think they're I don't think they're um they have four. That's they'd probably be a lot more expensive than that. Uh and then I don't even think they can take four. I I need to play guard. Uh, he brought one hellhound, two seraphim squads for deep striking, a wyvern and uh six heavy we heavy weapon teams with with three mortars. I don't really know what he's shooting for here other than just uh character sniping. Seems like he'd be really good at killing a knight and and X character list, um, but you won't see a whole lot of those in Eighth Edition or in ETC because it, there's eight players and they all have to share all the factions. Um, and if a player uh, brings like a knight and Magnus or knight three knights and Gilliman, you're you're dipping into an important faction, Space Marines or Chaos Space Marines, for one model, which isn't necessarily ideal. Um, so I think this list is just built to be uh, maybe Space Marine spam. Um, or with with assault cannon razorbacks, or maybe you're just trying to kill the character that busts the storm ravens and then kill the storm ravens themselves. I don't know. I, I it's it's a very interesting list. Um, it might also be a list that's just built to be other lists like it, you know, um, and just to pair it up. Anyways, player three, Jens. He's running ultramarines. Um, we're looking looking for Gilliman. Looking for Gilliman. There he is. Super heavy auxiliary detachment. Yep, he he brought uh, Gilliman, he brought uh, Librarian, and then one, two, three Venerable Dreadnoughts uh, with two twin LAS cannons each, uh, an Assault Razorback, Assault Cannon Razorback with a Hunter Killer Missile, um, and then another three more. So he brought six Razorbacks, three Venerable Dreadnought, three Siflemen, or Rifleman Venerable Dreadnoughts, six Aspacks, and then it looks like one, two... Three Devastator squads with with grab cannon and grab amp, probably to ride around in the Razorbacks. Um, so that's just a typical, you know, Gilliman list, Gilliman uh, assault cannon Razorback spam list um, with the Venerable Dreadnoughts. Uh, I'm not super sold on them. I think a list designed to kill knights or designed to kill storm ravens can easily make short work of that just by killing the Venerable Dreadnoughts and then killing the assault cannon Razorbacks, um, especially if they have a lot of toughness eight. Um, so you know, uh, maybe I, I think I, I does have a lot of bodies. To be fair, uh, so moving on to player four, he's got Typhus, two three units of corn berserkers in rhinos. Uh, actually, two there's two rhinos there, and just three units of corn berserkers, um, and then a lot of brimstone horrors. Looks like looks like uh, sixty brimstone horrors, uh, two demon princes, uh, two demon princes. With two, one Nurgle, one Zinch, um, and then it probably Magnus. Yeah, Magnus, the Changeling, two Heralds of Slanesh, and another Demon Prince. Uh, so that's the that's the uh, one of the Chaos Demon lists that you guys are going to see. I do like the addition of the Corn Berserkers and Magnus. Um, he can potentially get into his opponent's face real quick with Magnus and the Demon Princes. I probably would have added Nurglings or something that moves up to defend the Demon Princes. Um, with them, but I mean they don't even need to go that fast. They could just stay behind the brimstone horrors and counter charge, and do what they need to smite spam if they need to. Um, so that's a solid list. Sebastian brought to player five. Sebastian brought Commander Dante with 
four twin auto cannon dreadnoughts. Well, one has a heavy plasma cannon and an auto cannon. It's kind of strange. Uh, and then it's probably for points reasons, because it's three points cheaper. And then one, two, three storm ravens. Four, yeah, four storm ravens. So four storm ravens, four dreadnoughts, and Dante. Matthias, player six, brought <coughs> Eldar, specifically Inari and Eldar. Uh, he brought an Autark, a Farseer, a spirit, two Spirit Seers, a Fire Dragon, a Wave Serpent. Another, so three units of Wave Serpents with Fire Dragons in all of them. And then two Hemlock Wraith Fighters. Uh, so this is actually a really good Eldar list. Um, uh, Farseers are really good. They have Eldar have the best Psychic Powers um, some of the best psychic powers in the game right now. He gives them guide and doom. It's perfect. It's exactly what you need. Um, and then spirit seers <coughs> uh, with conceal and reveal. So that yeah. So he's got the psychic powers he needs. Um, and then he's got another Iandin spirit seer with enhance and drain just in case um, for a little extra buffing. Uh, but it's it's just it's a really good list. The the Autark giving the fire dragons rerolls is really strong. And then wave serpents are so hard to kill. I shot three knights at a single wave serpent couldn't kill it um it's just I, let's see if he gives them the uh the stones no he doesn't so 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 they're not as durable as they could possibly be but honestly uh these stones the spirit stones that give them they ignore damage on a six um which is kind of like this uh another feel no pain a six up feel no pain on top of all their damage um it's really good uh, but he didn't bring them, which is fine. They're still durable without it. And then two Hemlock Wraith Fighters with Conceal. They're they're absolutely ridiculous. They're great Spirit Stones. That's what they're called. He did bring Spirit Stones and the Hemlock Wraith Fighters, which is the right call. Um, with Conceal giving the minus one hit bubble around a Hemlock Wraith Fighter, combined with a Wave Serpent, that's already hard to kill. I think it, it has an, either another minus one hit bubble, or it's minus one damage. That's what it is. Uh, you get minus one damage on top of the minus one hit bubble from the Hemlock Wraith Fighter on top of already being a, a T7 vehicle with, I think, an invuln save on top of that. Uh, they're, they are just absolutely durable. It's, it's insane how durable they get. Um, so Wave Serpent spam or just Wave Serpents with really good units get really good kill units especially inari fire dragons he could go in turn one into an aspac guillemin list for example and blow up like five or six razorbacks easy right with all those melted guns just pow 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 um, and then the hemlock wraith fighters can start picking out grab cannons combined with the wave serpents maybe with a little bit of extra shooting it's just it's 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 perfect it's it's a really really good high hard-hitting alpha strike list um and not a lot of drops, too, because all the characters go in Wave Serpents with the Fire Dragons. Um, so you're only really looking... I think you can go down to five drops. Uh, five drops, yeah, with the with the, with the the um, Wave Serpents. So that's really good. That's that's good. That's uh, I think that's the Eldar list right now. Uh, actually, he's got Dark Reapers, too. Sorry, I just noticed those guys right now. So he's got some Dark Reapers as well. Um, um, by the way, guys, I actually forgot to mention this at the beginning of the podcast... Uh, if you guys can actually go into the link, into the show notes, I'll link to this document. All you have to do is control F Germany, Team Germany, and boom, it'll be right there. Um, so you can look at these lists with me as I go over them. You can point out mistakes, which I'm sure I've already made a couple. A uh, player seven, Thomas, Thomas uh, has a Dark Angels list with Azrael, a Primaris Lieutenant, some scouts, uh, and then I'm looking at the spam now. There's a bunch of Razorbacks, uh, Dark Shroud, of course, uh, and two Dark Towns. Um, Dark Talons are like little baby Storm Ravens with the Hurricane Bolters and the big gun in the middle. Um, they're they're really killy. They're really strong, uh, and they're they're points efficient. And combined with the minus one from the uh, 
the uh, with the jar shroud, um, you're looking at a really durable flyer. Um, so and and Azrael, how could I forget about Azrael? So combined with a so give him a four up invuln with a minus two to hit, that's that's pretty good against most targets. That's really solid. And then of course he's got Razorbacks with uh, Devastator squads inside of him, uh, and then a a Rifleman Dreadnought because why not? Um, it's just a a good damage dealing you know hard to kill list. Uh, it's actually pretty generic, um, honestly, especially when you compare it to other Space Marine lists. Um, and then finally, Francesco. Player 8 has <clears throat> uh, orcs. He has 1, 2, 3 weird boys, a Big Mac, 2 battle wagons, and then where are his boys? Okay, so he's not uh, 3 battle wagons, so he's not running a billion boys. He's running Gazgol, Zagstruck, uh, only only 56 boys. It's not a whole lot um, to go in the battle wagons. Some commandos uh, for a little bit of pressure, a pain boy, and Ludus, and 2 mech guns. Um, so that's a really balanced standard orc list. Um, yeah. So that's a uh, that's actually I I like it I like I I like that orc list because uh, it's really good at at um, contesting objectives and fighting off things that uh, like like for example uh, assault cannon razorbacks or storm ravens. Uh, it's really good at out modeling those models with the battle wagons protecting the boys uh, and then you can potentially kill storm ravens uh, and really just kind of uh, put them on the back foot and crush them with models it's really it's 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 cool it's a good list um and that's it uh, so i think you guys found pretty much the best lists in these etc lists uh for dealing with other people's lists um the funny thing is about team germany which i'm kind of proud of them for is i didn't see a single raven wing flock in there uh i didn't mention any um which is which is interesting because razor wing flocks are really strong right now uh, maybe the inari player just didn't have them or didn't want to run them uh, i know the inari list is is i think it's personally better at dealing with with vehicle spam uh which is i think why they went that route instead of the razor wing flock list uh, but if i were just control f in this document type in razor wing flock or just razor wing there are 134 entries individual entries which is it's just crazy that's that's insane um most of them are probably maxed out so you could probably guess demate that there's there's close to 800 razor wing flocks maybe 900 razor wing flocks uh by you know at the at etc 900 razor wing flock bases um ish i'd say probably conservatively actually 800 because of min squads um but maybe more so so that that's insane. That there's going to be a lot of razor wing flocks there, um, and then th that's actually another good thing, good way to look at the meta is if you want to see in general what people are bringing, uh, what people are bringing to maximize their lists, openness factor, or basically maximize what's really good. Because these lists aren't all going to do really well in a take all comers list or take all comers tournament or a solo players tournament. A perfect example is if someone who's running a lot of orc boys right so just a lot of orc boys because they deal well they deal well with razoring flocks uh they deal well with um with brimstone they kill brimstones pretty well they kill basically horde armies really well they they do really well against horde armies and then they bring something like a lot of mech guns or, or gorgonauts gorgonauts probably a better example um they bring like fill it out with a lot of gorgonauts maybe a weird boy too um that's a really good list when you pair it up against other lists. That's a good rock list or uh, a rock, paper, scissors list. Um, it'll absolutely destroy certain lists. Um, but in a singles 
or take all cumbers tournament those gorkonauts are going to eat up all the firepower that that uh your opponents bring that that they bring to be able to deal with storm ravens or be able to deal with assault cannon razorbacks or um or dreadnoughts you know a lot of vehicles um those three gorkonauts they're a lot of their heavy point investment they're easier to kill than knights they have less wounds um they they suffer more from being shot at and brought down uh, and they're still easy to shoot and still easy to see. Uh, so if your opponents are all going to be bringing anti-tank elements and there's literally like nothing else to shoot at but your Gorkonauts, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage because you're basically telling yourself, okay, every single game these Gorkonauts are going to be shot at and killed because there's nothing else that my opponent will want to shoot at. Um, so just remember to keep that in mind. If you're, if you're going to run a lot of toughnesses or a lot of... Um, a lot of units uh, make sure that the disparity isn't too low between toughnesses. Like, make sure one unit isn't stuck, isn't by itself in its own toughness class. A perfect example is if you run one Imperial Knight. If you want to run Imperial Knight at, at toughness 8, um, he will take all of the toughness 8 X killing, shooting, and will die if the rest of your models are all toughness 4, toughness 3. Right? Because why would your opponent shoot at them when he can just kill the knight efficiently and then start killing the, the horde army? Um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, the toughness, I would say the toughness tiers um, right now are uh, toughness 3 and toughness 4. Uh, toughness 6 is its own tier. I think toughness 5 is in a weird spot right now, uh, but you could probably lump toughness 5 in with toughness 4 and toughness, uh, with toughness 4 because of how much strength 6 shooting there is now. Um, uh, toughness 3 and toughness 4 are really close. Uh, especially because they're very they're a lot more spammable than toughness five. Uh, toughness six is by far, I think, the best toughness tier to be at. Um, a lot of toughness six things have enough wounds that you have to fire multiple strength seven and strength eight things to kill them. Um, but they're, they're still, you know, like uh, they're you're still wounding them on fives and fours for the majority of all the spamming strength strength shots. Um, so th the spamming strength shots are strength six, strength four. Um, actually, I think that's it. Just strength six, and strength four, are pretty much the shots that that people spam the crap out of. They're the easiest to spam. Um, so if you if you just keep into account the fact that uh, your your opponents or at a tournament, um, players are going to bring the majority amount. Uh, the majority amount of players are going to bring strength four shots first, then strength six shots, then probably strength eight shots because of the the missiles and the multi meltas. Um, and then after that, uh, it's a varying mix of everything. So if you if you gear your list to, to uh, make it so that strength four and strength six doesn't kill you efficiently, uh, and then strength eight, you have enough strength eight or toughness eight to be able to deal with the strength eight, um, or maybe even like like toughness toughness six too, because I mean strength eight wounds toughness six on threes, right? So it's like strength eight doesn't kill toughness six super efficiently compared to like killing toughness four or killing strength eight or toughness eight which which it has which is pretty much the only thing that other than strength nine which there isn't a lot of it's pretty much the only thing that can kill toughness eight efficiently or reliably compared to the rest of everything um so just just keep in mind of your toughness tiers uh and make sure you have enough units in specific tiers to sh take out enough of your opponent's shooting so that you can either score objectives or dish out damage back um so just a little tip, uh, but back to these lists. Um, I don't. I don't think they're think they're completely indicative of the meta or of the BAO. I think you're going to see a lot of elements from these lists 
taken, like little micro combos, combined with other things to win missions, uh, or or little tweaks to deal with balance more balanced armies. So like uh, example might be if instead of running five storm ravens, um, you might run three storm ravens, Dante, uh, and then something to kill hordes or something to score. Right. So you might run like three storm ravens, Dante. And then some deep striking Grey Knight Strike squads. Uh, so you can flush out and kill Nurglings. Uh, and you can flush out and kill little troop choices. You can deep strike them down. Um, so the Storm Ravens are all concentrated flying in one spot. In the meantime, your strike squads are deep striking down, smiting stuff, killing things that the Storm Ravens don't want to bother, bother with. Um, uh, and also scoring new objectives. Because you need something to sit back and score objectives or something to deep strike on objectives. Right, so just a, a little tiny example. It's probably a poor example. I'm sure there's a billion other more efficient things you can bring with Storm Ravens. Um, but the point is, is that when you're looking at these lists, you don't want to look at the quantity. You want to look at the quality of the combos, um, and then take that into account when you're building your list. Right, so you're not going to see a lot of five Storm Ravens. You'll probably see a lot of like two or three Storm Ravens and other elements to bring out a more balanced list. Um, uh, you'll sure you'll probably see still see some spam armies like Razorwing Flock spam. You'll probably see a couple of those lists flying around. Um, pro definitely a lot of Brimstone horrors. A lot of people have Brimstone horrors left from last edition. Um, so it only makes sense that they you will see more of this edition as well. So just uh, keep that in mind when you're building your list. Uh, there are combos, and as I'm going through this, I'm looking at really cool things like the Fire Dragons and Wave Serpent and the the Hemlock Wraith Fighter. That's really good. Um, or I'm looking at the mech or the the orcs and battle wagons backed up by orc shooting, um, which is actually also really good, right? So just just uh, bear that in mind. Combos, quantity. Look at the quality, not the quantity. Um, and then this is etc. These lists are geared very differently. A lot of these people expect to either be in terrible matchups where they're they're expected to lose but not lose by that much, or they're expected to table their opponent <coughs> because they were given an optimal matchup. So, um, if you've never been to a team tournament, that's the way it is. Uh, your 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 team captain tries to angle to give you the best possible matchup or the uh, matchup that you will lose the least the the least at in right. So so uh, these lists are really hyper. They're they're really simple. They're really hyper focused to do one thing because they're tools. And they're part of a greater plan as opposed to a balance. Take all comers list. Uh, something you might see at the BAO um, where they have to. They have to. Uh, you have to incorporate your tools into the list itself, and you have to use those tools to be able to beat certain counters. Um, you might not have every single tool to be able to deal with every single thing in your list, but you need to have enough strong tools to be able to deal with the things that bother you and play the way you want to play. Um, so that's that's basically team tournaments in a nutshell versus solo take all comers tournaments. Um, whether you like one or the other, that doesn't really matter. Um, though I will say that the uh, plus one to go to win to go the world first versus the automatic going first if you deploy first uh, that does drastically change the game um, and I have seen in general uh, a lot less spammier lists in terms of like the storm ravens and the kill your alpha strike lists come from the deployment zone change but on the flip side the deployment zone the not the the deployment go first depending on who deploys first rule um, taking that out, replacing it with the plus one, um, does tend to promote spammier lists, right? Uh, like horde lists, basically. Um, so because at that point, if you don't get, if you don't automatically go first, um, you might as well. You can 
you know you might as well not optimize at all in terms of getting the lowest amount of drops um and then just start then just start you know throwing a bunch of stuff out there and then the introduction to objectives as well will change that as well um so instead of playing just one single or turn of war mission <clears throat> with just first struck line breaker warlord and objectives um you're introducing multifaceted elements like the itc like nova like the renegade missions uh that incorporate different things and make your list you make it so you have to let your list has to be more dynamic um so those are just differences um uh, my thoughts on this meta is uh, basically um i think i think unfortunately i i don't see a lot of tyranids let me just look up gene stealer and this on this document for etc um so let's spell gene stealer so there's only 74 uh choices out of you know 45 pages that like so out of like uh maybe 10 12 teams which is 80 to 100 players right <clears throat> uh, there's probably a lot more than that my math's probably way off on that but the point being is there's not nearly as many gene stealers as there are razor wing clocks um but Gene Stars is still really good. Uh, I think when you look at this meta, uh, the people who got the worst end of the stick are the uh, units, are the factions that can't spam Strength 8 or Toughness 8 and Strength 4 reliably, or they can't spam Toughness 7 and Strength 6 quickly or reliably. Um, so like Death Watch can't really do it that well. Death Watch Corvus Black Stars are pretty good, um, but they can't really do it that well. Um, Harlequins have a little bit of trouble with it, but Harlequins also have access to um, a really good allies matrix now in Inari with Dark Eldar and Eldar. Um, so you can you can kind of combine the best stuff with Dark Eldar, and they also have Razorwing flocks. Um, so you'll see those a lot. Um, so you'll probably see like. L or uh, they also have access to Razorwing Flocks. You'll see probably a lot of like Harlequins with Razorwing Flocks and Eldar elements, right? Um, that's pretty good. <clears throat> uh, so, uh, but I, I do think that Harlequins aren't as powerful as I thought they would be. Um, and then Death Watch, Death Watch still got in the short end of the stick. Gene Stealer Colt, kind of rough. Um, uh, they got better with, with being able to add Astromel Terram allies. Um, and their gene stealers are better, uh, so that's kind of a resurgence. But in terms of like the more traditional quote-unquote gene stealer cult lists uh, or gene stealer cult models like acolyte hybrids, neophyte hybrids, um, you know the the rock lobster, the Goliath rock grinder, uh, you won't see as many as those. Um, so in that regard, gene stealer cult armies aren't as powerful. Uh, I, I hear a lot of complaining about Admech. Um, I know Admech isn't top tier. Um, Admech is solid. Uh, and then, of course, if you're running any of the flavors, other Space Marines, other than Grey Knights and Death Watch, you know, Blood Angels, Blood Angels, Dark Angels, Space Wolves, um, and Vanilla Space Marines, you're going to see similar lists do really well, and the rest of the stuff go by the wayside. So you're going to see a lot of Aspacks, a lot of Storm Ravens, a lot of Gilliman, uh, a lot of Azrael, a lot of the, the, the generic good stuff across multiple Marines. Um, you're going to see a lot of those with their own little flavors sprinkled in, um, which I think is actually pretty cool. Uh, so you, you know, they're similar lists, and like, like if you look like a Dark, a Dark Angels list, a Blood Angels list, and a Vanilla Space Marines list, they're all going to have like 60 or 70 percent of the same units, maybe 60 percent of the same units. Um, they all have like uh, assault cannon Razorbacks. They'll have rifleman dreadnoughts. Um, they they might have a flyer or two, uh, and then from there it'll they'll just be defined by their HQ choices. 
Um, so, so like Blood Angels will be running Dante for the reroll to hit rolls. Um, they might run some Assault jump packs. Uh, Ultramarines will be running Gilliman, and Dark Angels will be running Azrael. Um, and then each of those little really good HQ choices and unique units like the Dark Shroud bring their own little twist and their own little flair and make the army play drastically different compared to um, last edition uh, when you saw like Iron Hands Battle Company and White Scars Battle Company, which I mean, let, let's be real, they're a battle company. Sure, the chapter tactic made them a little different, um, but they really played the same. Like, you pretty much just flooded objectives and um, maybe Alpha Strike your army if you ran, if you ran Con. Um, but I think in this edition, especially when the Space Spring Codex comes out, I think uh, you'll see a lot of the flavor of certain armies really start to come out as long as you also bring the powerful stuff as well as the flavorful stuff too like like Azrael and Dark Angels and Dark, Dark Shroud is a perfect example um they they bring a lot of like these salt cannon razorbacks you know the maybe a storm raven or two uh, <clears throat> actually I don't think they can take storm ravens the dark the the dark talon uh Assault Cannon, Razorbacks, Devastators, um, and then you mix it with Azrael and the Dark Shroud, and you get a really, really uh, durable, strong fighting force that plays similarly, but has different elements to like a vanilla Space Marine list with Gilliman and Assault Cannon, Razorbacks, and Storm Ravens, which is obviously a lot more mobile um, with the Grav Cannons. You know, they'll be able to run around with Gilliman. Gilliman countercharges things. Um, he's also really fast, so he can keep up with the Razorbacks. Uh, so it plays a lot more aggressively and a lot more um, uh, dynamically. Um, but they're essentially still kind of the same list. They look very similar on paper, but they play drastically different, um, which is kind of kind of what balance is, right? Like you you still you have these lists that are that are similar. Um, they play similarly. They they have equal odds. I feel to win the game, um, but they play differently and they play to the style of the player and they play to the style of the army, um, which means that they can potentially beat each other. Or uh, it comes down to player skill at that point, right? Because um, the player is making the conscious decision to switch over to this specific style of play, and he knows that he knows what he's going to get out of his Azrael and his Dark Shroud, right? He knows that how many shots they can take if he's been practicing, um, versus a Space Marine vanilla player who, with Gilliman, who sw might want to switch over to Azrael and not have as much experience with it, even though it's quote unquote a similar, very similar list. Um, so it's cool, kind of cool. Um, that's just Space Marines. Uh, the other factions play a little differently, um, but they have their own list archetypes that kind of fit into a mold. Um, there's like Vehicle Rush, like uh, Harlequins do that. Orcs do it pretty well. Um, Space Marines can do it. Eldar do it extremely well, uh, other than Harlequins. Like Wave Serpent Eldar do it really well. Um, let me see. Tyranids can kind of do it well with like the Tyrannocyte. And the Gene Stealers all running up the board in the Swarmlord. They can do like a version of the vehicle spam list. It's the same principle in that you're, you're shoving a bunch of toughness, high toughness models in your opponent's face. And forcing them to deal with it um, and being lethal. Backed by <clears throat> troops. Um, and then Storm Ravens with troops inside of them do the similar thing. They shove Storm Ravens in your face with like Dreadnoughts. Dreadnoughts come down, kill stuff. Storm Ravens start killing stuff. Um, there's the vehicle spam list. There's Horde Armies. Um... Horde armies typically there's two flavors. There's lots of lots and lots and lots of bodies, um, and then there's lots and lots of bodies, but backed up with characters, um, which is probably the more powerful build. Uh, demons do it really well. Tyranids do it pretty well. Um, Grey knights can do it if you bring conscripts. Um, hmm. well, Ostrom Militarum obviously with the conscripts. Uh, orcs do it extremely well. Um, uh, and then there's balance lists or, or gunline lists. Actually, it's 
gun line balance lists. Um, basically, those lists take advantage of the more powerful reroll to hit mechanic that is spread out across a lot of different armies now. Um, so <clears throat> uh, you see, like Tau use this. Space Marines obviously use it really well. Uh, Astromotellum use it pretty well. Uh, Storm Ravens can kind of fit into it and can kind of take that role, which is why Storm Raven lists are good. They can vehicle rush. They can sit back and shoot at you. Um, Storm Raven lists are just really good. Uh, but uh, yeah, those are just some of the list archetypes I could think of off the top of my head. Um, so as you're building your list, you got to kind of think about those list archetypes. Um, and I can actually probably think of more. Um, I can't think of any right now, but I'm, I'm sure you guys are thinking of more as you speak. Uh, but essentially, w these list archetypes are lists, styles of lists that multiple factions can run um, that I think can do extremely well, especially when pitted against each other on a competitive field and an even playing field with missions. Um, so think about those lists when you're building your lists. Uh, if you have any questions and you're running your faction, you're kind of wondering how to run your faction, please email me, frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com. I'll help you out. I'll help you, I'll help you find what, best, what lists work best for your faction and your play style. Um, and then you can go out there and hopefully start doing really well, kicking butt, buying more models, enjoying the game and the hobbying aspect uh, and the social aspect and uh, promoting the hobby and having a good time, which is what I want all of you guys to do. I want all of you guys to be competitive and be able to win the way you want to win and have fun, um, which in turn grows the hobby, which is the whole point of this entire podcast. Uh, the whole point of this podcast is not to be the best or to learn to be the best, although occasionally... Uh, we do help that along for the more competitive players or for the really, really competitive players who want to be the best. Um, I do try to cater to them too. But in general, this podcast is designed to cater to the players who want, who are having trouble winning their own way. Um, and, and they could probably tweak their tactics game a little or their strategy game a little or their list building game a little bit, right? And become better players because uh, even though there is a hobbying aspect um, and it's, uh, it's, Compared to other games, the hobbying aspect is a big part of the game. Um, people will start leaving the game if if they don't have a reason to use their pretty models, right? If their models suck or if they start losing their games, um, because I've never met anyone still who just flat out likes losing competitive game. Like they just they like losing. They're like, oh yeah, I love playing five storm ravens and getting my butt kicked in and never ever using my infantry platoons or never ever using my death corps of Krieg army that's beautifully painted, right? Never heard anyone say that. Um, so, uh, just that's why this podcast here. Uh, moving on to the Bay Area Open. Uh, this is going to take a little bit of a break here, just to whew, take a breather. It's a lot of talking. <sighs> All right, Bay Area Open. So, the Bay Area Open predictions. Um, I've looked at the lists. I've looked at. I've seen who's who's coming. Um, I think you're not going to see as many spam lists as the uh, uh, the boogeyman internet has told you. Um, so I don't think you're going to see like lists in like battle company numbers. Um, maybe Storm Ravens, uh, though Storm Ravens have been sold out on GW, and I'll actually talk about this on on the commercial break. Um, but essentially, I, I think that there's enough variety in the competitive seat and enough balance in both the mission and the changes the ITC put into place uh, to really bring a lot of diversity. A lot of people are, I think a lot of people in this position are trying their absolute best to win with 
with the way they want to um, because it's still such a new addition. So they see all these like spammy lists and yeah, they're powerful. These spam lists are really good. They're really easy to build in some cases. They're really easy to run. They're, they are the epitome of what a net list is. Um, they are also very predictable, right? So it leaves the open, it leaves it wide open for a top player to to go in there and predict these top lists and do well at, because you know his opponents are predictable. Like he knows he's going to see Storm Ravens every other game and Razoring Flocks. Um, so when the meta starts being predictable, it actually opens up the gate more for players to go in there and be innovative. Um, and I think a lot of people are trying to jump on that opportunity. Um, obviously, not all of them are going to succeed, um, but there are a lot of people jumping in that opportunity. Um, and then another thing I noticed about this mission or this uh, eighth edition meta. Um, specifically when it comes to solo events and people's own personal opinions is that a lot of people went into 8th edition with their own preconceived notion about what the what the meta was going to be. Alright, so, so there were a lot of leaks in 8th edition. There was a lot of hype, a lot of support from Games Workshop, a lot of advertising, um, and a lot of people, they, they kind of immediately thought, you know, like, this is going to be good, and I'm going to run this. Um, and, you know, day one, they saw how good Storm Ravens were, they hit the ground running with that, or Tau Commanders, or uh, Imperial Knights, etc., etc. Sorry, that's my dog sparking at a, a squirrel or something, I don't know. Um, but, uh, essentially, uh, there are a lot of these players uh, are coming into this this uh, edition with with a different, with a preconceived notion, um, which makes them a little bit more predictable. Um, and I think you're starting to see that a little. I think um, when you when I talk to people for list building for competitive purposes, they kind of just go back to like the basics of, of spam or what is good and being you know point sufficient, math hammering. Um, they're not really thinking outside of the box, uh, which you can take, which you can use to your advantage. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast now and you've gone through all my rambling um, and dealt with all of this rambling. Um, first off, kudos to you. Second off, <clears throat> that's a good tip. Uh, think about your your friends um, and ask them, you know, what lists do you think is good? What models do you think are good? Um, nine times out of ten, you'll get the same models, the same answers over and over. Well, I think Storm Ravens are good. I think Brimstone Wars are good. Yada, yada, yada. And yes, those models are really good. I'm not saying they're not, but they're also predictable. Right? So just uh, keep that in mind. <clears throat> uh, when you're building your lists, uh, Bay Area Open predictions. I went off on a little bit of a tangent there. Um, basically, uh, I think that your finals table is going to be um, a two net lists that were supposed to be there. You know, Imperial Knights, Storm Ravens, Tau, Battlesuits, some, some, some predictable lists, basically. Um, you're going to see those in the top table at the Bay Area Open. They might not necessarily win um, because I think that this year we will get two or three undefeated players. Um, last year we didn't, but the year before we had, I believe, three undefeated players um, because we had uh, six six players that went into the final round undefeated. Yeah, so three of them went undefeated. Um, so last year we had three undefeated players, or two years ago we had three undefeated players. Last year Brandon Grant won the whole thing. He was the only undefeated player. Um, this year I, I think a happy medium or happy prediction is two undefeated players, and I think the winner will actually ultimately be a really kind of unique list. Um, I think it'll have a little bit of an element of like a spam element or like an obvious, duh, this is OP element. So people might look at it and go like, oh, well, that's why he won. But I think there's going to be something unique about it. Like like maybe Pajama Prance is going to run like Razorwing Flocks, but he's also going to run something crazy like Mandrakes or, or whatever, right? Um, <clears throat> so I think that's going to happen um, because I think that that 
uh, really talented players will will bring both the overpowering crazy spam stuff and also other things that they know how to use that other people don't know how to compete against that are very anti-meta um, because that's what top list designers do. Um, they, they build lists that are anti-meta that do well, that are still kind of quirky and different, um, but they still take some elements of Opinus. Like last year, last this year's LVO, Lawrence Baker from Tabletop Tactics ran a ton of Dark Eldar Reaver bikes. He barely missed out on the top eight uh, by one point. Um, but he also had a Scathatch Wraith Knight, and he had Smeldar. So, so you know, he, he had the Dark Elder Reaver bikes. He had the cool, unique quirkiness, um, the off-meta stuff. But he still had a Wraith Knight, you know? Um, does that make his list any more innovative? No, not at all. Um, uh, he, he brought the stuff, the tools he needed to do to win. Um, so what if one of the tools was a tool that everyone else ran? Um, he still brought his own unique tool, um, which is, I think, what you have to look at. Um, so... And that, that's where the fun is, right? That's Running one Storm Raven or two Storm Ravens plus your own cool stuff and winning is a lot more satisfying than just running five Storm Ravens and just blowing out your opponent and winning, right? <clears throat> um, so you, you're going to see that. I think that's my prediction. I think it, you'll probably see a lot of Eldar in the top tables. Um, this is just because a lot of people have a lot of Eldar, um, and El there are Eldar just in Ari just so strong. They're really good. They're really good meta breakers. Um, they're really hard. They have a lot of really hard durable units to kill. The strength and death is really strong, especially when you start considering sp start putting spamming into account. Um, strength and death is really good when you optimize your shooting to kill multiple things. Just like think like Razorbacks, right? Like if you have fire dragons, you shoot two Razorbacks, you kill two Razorbacks, boom. If you compare that to a uh, Razorback and a Conscript Squad, fire dragon's not going to do so well, right? If you mix or if you take a, even if you don't even if you take like a uh, Scout Squad and like uh, a Centurion Squad, right? Like or if you start mixing toughnesses, right? Uh, like like a uh, Land Speeder and rattlings like you know there's there's things that aren't going to be able to kill both of those efficiently um and if you mix them up like those that's the bane of of inari that and being able to to whittle their firepower so that when they do strength and death it's not that bad they're not taking complete advantage of it um so not over killing or to, not, to killing units so that they bring them down to the one model um and then forcing them to strength of death on your terms and not their turns terms is something that uh a good way to counter them um, but I don't see, I see a lot of Eldar have a lot of tools to be able to take advantage of Strength and Death and Inari. Um, so I, I think an Eldar player will win the whole thing. I think you're going to see a lot of Eldar in the top eight, um, but they'll probably all falter. Uh, I don't think you'll see an Imperial Knight player in the top eight. Um, you're definitely going to see Space Marines. Um, they'll, they'll probably be a Gilliman somewhere on the top three tables in the final round. Uh, there'll be a Gilliman somewhere, I'm sure of it. Um, and then that's it. I, I think other than that I don't I can't really predict accurately what I think will be in the top tables. Um there'll probably be a Chaos Demon player actually. So okay, so let me just let me just name the top four. Right. So the your top four is going to be two Eldar players, a Space Marine player, and a Chaos Demon player. Boom. That's it. With a winner being an Eldar player with a kinda cool unique offbeat list. Um and that's it. That's that's what you're gonna see. Called it here first. I don't know who the player is going to be. I still think I was on signals last time. I still think it's going to be uh, a pl player who who we haven't really heard of before. I don't think we're going to have a repeat from Brandon Grant or Pajama Pants. Not saying that they're not going to do it. They probably will prove me wrong. I know Matt Root proved me wrong last year or last ITC season. Um, 
you know, I'm not going to count them out because they're all phenomenal players. Uh, uh, Pajama Pants and Brandon Grant, the repeat champions, um, or even Steve Sisk, who might come back. Um, they're phenomenal players. But I just, I, I think this is the addition where where players who are trying to get new into the game or players that have been who have taken a hiatus since 5th edition, I think this is the addition that they come back with a vengeance and we start seeing new names that we didn't see last year or the year before on the ITC rankings um, and start to win tournaments, uh, which is cool. Uh, I'm not going to call them no-name players or bad players, because obviously they're not, but they're definitely not going to be quote-unquote household names, which which is fine. That That's, that's a thing, um, you know, not everyone knows people's names. Like, not everyone knows who Justin Curtis is, but I know who he is. He's really good. I'm sure more people know about you now, Justin. I Actually, that's not true. But you get my point. Um, so I think that's it enough for rambling. Uh, we'll go ahead and go to commercial break, and then we're going to come back with an interview with Jason Horn from the Iron Halo. Jason is going to be talking about... Uh, building a TO or building a tournament in this 8th edition environment um, as well as you know adding in his input on the 8th edition meta and how he plans to tackle it um, through his tournament and through you know deciding what to do and uh, what is best etc etc it's really enlightening he's a great guy he's a really smart guy Um, and if you're a TO trying to make it in the 40k TO business he's he's a guy to listen to um, so that's it, guys. Hopefully you guys like the new commercial that I added in. Um, tell me what you think. Uh, I have to come up with a name for it. Um, there are some funny, not-quite-safe-for-work names. Ah, they're they're tongue-in-cheek. Um, uh, some, you know, names. I, I don't know if I want to say that. Ah, well, I'll just tell you guys. Uh, you know, we're all adults here, I hope. Um, but, so I was thinking about calling it PD Pobs Second Handies. <laughs> um, or... Uh, uh, one other one that someone kicked that I think is a terrible idea uh, because I run the secondhand shop um, and I'll, sometimes I will sell models that aren't listed yet on eBay to people who ask for them. Like if you're looking for like swooping hawks, right? Um, I might have like metal swooping hawks that are not listed on eBay, but I've got them in the warehouse. Um, so I'll sell them to you uh, via PayPal or whatever and you get your swooping hawks. Um, it's kind of like a backdoor service, so we can call it like PD Pobs Backdoor Store. Um, which is, you know, uh, anyways, on to the commercial guys. You have a good one. Uh, it's been a long day. Hey guys, welcome to the new commercial segment, PD Pobs second handies. I think I like it. I'm going with that name. Anyways, this is where I talk about the secondhand shop, which I run through Frontline Gaming. I give you guys some news on market trends, etc., etc., and also promote Frontline Gaming and some of the services we provide. So, secondhand shop. Just wanted to give you guys a quick tip. Saw this today. Saw a lot of it today. Make sure to keep an eye on GW's main website, GamesWorkshop.com, for out-of-stock items, specifically a Storm Raven. Ta-da! So many people are buying them that the Storm Raven is now out of stock. It's been out of stock for a while. Getting Storm Ravens is almost impossible. I listed one on eBay up, uh, I think last week on Friday, and it sold out within a one refresh. It was insane. It just it sold out, and it sold at like it, it, it sold at like a really good like a really good price for the secondhand shop. Um, but but it, it sold at like a lot higher price than I would have been able to sell it in seventh edition. Um, which is cool. So guys, that's my tip. Just make sure to keep an eye on trends. Uh, Storm Ravens right now, Predators are out of stock, the Solitaire is out of stock, uh, basically a lot of the popular items. Um, so just keep that in mind when you're in there and happy bidding. The head Hello? TO. 
slash founder of the Iron Halo. It's a very large event in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Bartlesville, Oklahoma, Bartlesville. just an hour. Ah, sorry. Um, I, I need to learn my That's Oklahoma a... geography because I will be attending. Uh, so if you guys are going to be in the Iron Halo area, in the Bartlesville area, um, around October, we'll, I, I have the date here. I just lost it on September, my phone. September 30th to October 1st. Yes. So if you guys will be in the area, you guys can come meet me, come say hi, love to meet you all. I'll probably live stream a couple games on my phone if my phone can handle it. Uh, but, Jason, say hi to everyone. Hello. Hey, happy to be here, Pablo. You, you are a master of many talents and <laughs> a bard of many podcasts. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm a little bit of a podcast veteran now. Um, now, if you, if, you didn't if you were unable to attend last year's Iron Halo, uh, it was large. It was, um, they had, they had, uh, I think over 80 players show up. I'll, I'll let you Correct. take it away, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Uh, quick rundown is we, we planned for 80. We found six more spots. And so we had 86 in attendance. Uh, that's actually there. We actually sold probably more, more in the realm of, you know, 96 tickets or so, because obviously some people couldn't make it. Uh, it packed it out and, uh, every had everybody had a blast and we're doing things. We're keeping a lot of things the same, but also doing, uh, some of the things that didn't work as well. Uh, we're changing those. And so, uh, I'm really excited to have, uh, has the new things roll out. Uh, last year it was really cool because, uh, we had, Matt Root, who won the ITC, mm -hmm. actually won our event as well. Uh, and on top of that, y the year before, Brett Perkins, who won the LVO uh, this past year, uh, actually got came in second in 2015. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like if you want to compete in the ITC, you got to come to the Iron Halo. That's a that's a really good point. And uh, on top of that, it's not like Matt Root was the only big name or competitive player at your event. There, were, I I was reading through it last year. Um, and a lot of the player names I was recognized personally. Um, now, I know a lot of people in the community, um, and I know that there are a lot of people I don't know who are really good. So I'm not saying that they're the only good players, um, but having big-name players come to your event uh, is, is definitely a good thing. You know, quote-unquote star-studded event, if you want to call it that. Um, and that's what the Iron Halo is. Uh, now, well, thank you. <laughs> uh, now, before we go on to this year's Iron Halo... Um, I want to talk a little bit about you, Jason. Now, you gave me you gave me a list uh, about yourself, right? Um, and it says here that you attended the last Feast of Blades in 2014. That's correct, right? Um, and it's I would say it's it's quote unquote infamous um, in that <laughs> that it was the last Feast of Blades. Some people attribute some of the controversy to the event to having ended the event. Um, I I know that that's probably untrue um i think that the feast of blades just it just uh everything must end so to speak uh and i think mm -hmm. the feast of blades i think the guys just thought it was just time to end the event maybe they're getting tired whatever um the point is is that you attended that last feast of blades and you've been semi-competitive in 40k for a very long time right mm -hmm. uh you you've been playing for we've been around a while so are are there any things that you learned from the feast of blades event that you that you've been improving on because obviously you're in your third year in iron halo first year you hit 40 uh second year you hit 86 um and then of course this year you said you're shooting for over 100 which is crazy um and that kind of success through an event is not it's not doesn't happen very often right a, a three-year period w with an over 100 percent increase 
the first year, and then over 50% increase the second or the third year. Sorry, on the th- for the third one, that's that's big. Um, so just like, what's how did you how did you make the event? How did like, I what do did it? Change? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I I worked really hard. And I prayed a lot, and I begged a lot of people to come. <laughs> well, kind of, kind of. I mean, in all fairness, uh, you know, like, like you said, Pablo, I did attend the, the 2014 Feast of Blades. Uh, it was a really great event, and I really loved those folks out in Colorado. And, and I took a lot, a lot of things away. I don't, I don't remember the, the founder's name, but one of, the thing, one of the cool things he did is he went around to the tables, he met all the players, and he handed out essentially, you know, poker chips that you could redeem for prizes, and you know that that was really cool. You know, I, I'm a semi-competitive player, and that was, you know, I brought uh, a Stampa with orcs, and then and back in that was sixth edition, so I brought some, two wave serpents uh, <laughs> and some Eldar because the orcs really couldn't get anything done. Uh, but but you know, it was it was a great time. Uh, I did see what happened with, um, you know, the dice and, and, you know, I'm not going to, not going to cast stones because, uh, really that's not what I'm here to do, but I feel like the way that, uh, Feast of Blades handled it was appropriate. In fact, I actually encountered something similar at my event, uh, last year and I'll go into detail about it, but, uh, you know, they, they, I feel like they did the right thing. We were actually driving home, and it was like 12 o'clock at midnight when, you know, the internet started blowing up with this dice fiasco thing. And so the player, I felt like the player did the right thing, stepping down and giving the, uh, uh, giving the prize to the next person. And honestly, the prize was like, what, like two Wraith Knights or, or something equivalent to that. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like, I, I mean, it's not like you're winning the ITC over, you know, thousands of dollars off of, uh, you know, bad dice or an illegal list or anything like that. So, uh, <clears throat> but what this wanted to do, you know, I kind of thought on the way home, it might be really cool if I could run something like a small scale feast of blades, uh, had some good buddies that went to the event that would also believed it was a great idea. And it actually wasn't until <clears throat> 2015, I attended an event in Conway, Arkansas called the March madness GT. And that's run by, uh, Andrew Taylor and Richard Berry. That's a good event. That's it is a lot a, of good stuff about that event. It is it is the premier event in Arkansas. Yes. So and Arkansas and kind of maybe the surrounding states. Not in Oklahoma because we're cooler. <laughs> uh, that's right, Andrew. I called you out, bro. And anyway, we're good friends. I, <clears throat> I, you know, I went to that event. I enjoyed. I had a fun time. And Andrew and I, we started having a dialogue, and in in 2015, that was in March of 2015. And in April of 2015, we decided, hey, let's throw an event here in Bartlesville. And so we did that. We had it at a restaurant, in a local restaurant in town. And basically, you know, my selling point for this event was for like 115 bucks, including food uh, and hotel and your tournament ticket, you have a whole weekend of gaming. That's actually I mean, really good, dude. For th- I, I know 115 bucks. Well, we're 40K players. We're 115 bucks. That's like... A wraith night. That's like not a big deal. But, oh, okay, that's whatever. But um, for those of you just getting into the pot or into the hobby, because I, I know there are a lot of you, um, 115 bucks for a two-day event, especially with everything Jason talked about, is insane. It's a great deal. Yep. Yeah. And you know, my goal was always to keep it cost-effective for those people that are, it is their first event, and they they could they could always come out here and you know you spend 115 dollars, 
my I mean excluding excluding travel expenses, you know. But you know, if, for a weekend to hang out with your buddies and play 40k, I think that's a great deal. And so we started 2015, was really successful. We we actually capped it. I thought, "Man, maybe I'll hit a 30. Let's try for 30 and let's see if we can maybe, you know, hit 25, 22." You know, you always do the math in your head with, okay, how many local players can I expect? How many, you know, players from other states can I expect? And <clears throat> I said, well, we'll be, it will break even if we hit 22. And lo and behold, two weeks before the event, when before prices went up, we hit 30, and we found 10 more spots, and then we hit 40 as well. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised and uh, kind of in shock. I, it was, it was. It was definitely one of the more uh, humbling experiences in my life that 40 people would take time out of their weekend and spend their hard-earned money to come out to our event and and compete in our tournament. So on top of that, I <clears throat> one of the things that I learned being a new TO is I had to make terrain. Oh. And uh, it sucked so much, man. <laughs> it was like the most painful experience in my life because uh, at that time I had my my I guess my seven or seven month old, eight month old. Anyway, she was eating these uh, Gerber cans of puffs. I think you know what I'm talking about, Actually, Pablo. Actually, I do. I, I <laughs> use them to placate, placate. I don't know if it's pronounced that word, but I, I do them to calm my daughter down, uh, and also occasionally. But yes, the the puffs. I think ours are apple cinnamon. They are delicious too. Oh, I mean. they're really good. Occasionally, <laughs> I'll just like pop one in my mouth. Uh, so unsatisfying as a grown man because they're absolutely nothing like they're not like a cheeseburger they're just a little (laughs) but um they're 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 kind of (laughs) tasty they're a little tasty and and you know they're i have uh been known to to eat a can or two but anyway uh so what i did is i looked i found actually a space um a vendor that could actually provide uh ruins terrain and then i knew i needed some line of sight blocking because that's what they had at, at feast of blades and so I looked around me, I looked at what, what my family was consuming, and I said, okay, what can I make that's line of sight blocking terrain? And actually, these puff cans were perfect. And so what I would do is I'd make a triangle in puff cans and leave a little bit of center and uh, a little bit of space in the middle. And I would uh, glue all that, paint it all together, and then I would use, like, pillow stuffing and spray paint it black, so now there's smoke in the middle. So I have three cans and smoke in the middle, and that would be line of sight blocking terrain, which would uh, also cover about oh uh, about 12, ten to twelve inches a uh, ten to twelve inch triangle uh, of line side blocking terrain that uh, worked really well. Uh, so I made terrain every day for about a mo- uh, two or three months <clears throat> until we hit our limit, and we were actually still light on terrain. Uh, pro tip for all you tournament goers out there: you can never make enough terrain. So guarantee that. Yeah, that's uh, never. Ne- no, I like. In fact, uh, I know that you guys are are constantly making terrain for the LVO. Is that correct? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Um. So, so I I've only been part of the terrain building for two years. Uh, obviously, recent Frankie have been doing it forever. Um. But every year so far, it's it's almost like we've had to create a brand new terrain for an entire LVO. Um. Which is which. A stupid amount, you know. It's like 250, 400 tables, I think, total, including Age of Sigmar and 30k. Um, and then we have to do that again this year, and it's like, well, you know, 
It's um, it's never ending. Every That's, year you have to make it. That's rough. Yeah, well, it's it's not it's it's because we we're at our expansion rate. It just it feels like we're always making basically like two open level events worth of terrain every time, right? It, like, oh. like 50, 50 to one hundred tables. And it's like it's just a lot. It's a lot of work. Um, but it it's. It's um, definitely fun. If you guys are in the San Diego area and we're building terrain, you want to come down, get some free pizza, um, hang out with us, uh, build some terrain, we'll put you to work. Um, yeah, I think I think the best part would be hanging out with you and getting to know you guys uh, better. Oh, uh, uh, well, well, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I guess Reese the Taskmaster, Slave <laughs> Driver, <laughs> would be the, like, there's big some, uh, there's some R rating. There's, you know, don't don't bring your kids. Uh, we we, we kids. talk a lot and hang out, but um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but Terrain building is is something that I always admire TOs for doing. Um, I personally could never be a real TO, you know, a real solo TO, uh, because I can't build terrain. I, I am I'm not a hobbyist, unfortunately. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna also uh, agree with you on that one. I'm actually not a very good hobby. I used to paint a lot, but then I had a kid, and I painted a little bit less, and then I had another kid, and now I can't. I really can't paint anymore. Because it's either my kid is eating my brushes, or paint, or painting my models that I've already finished. That was that was a fun day. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, I think we've all been there. At least I didn't have a a dog chew up like a a, a warp hunter or something like that. That oh, would be no. horrible. That would be really bad. Oh, keep so, the dog away from the Forge World. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. You know, I'm actually really excited. I'm gonna, I bought my ticket to LVO on Tuesday. Or th- excuse me, Thursday, and I got the high roller package. And nice. I'm super excited, and I got uh, the, uh, I guess the whole package for the 40k uh, events, all the events. So I'm I'm really excited. This will be my first LVO, and what? I've always heard yes, I've never been, never been. So this will be very exciting. I always heard that your terrain is amazing out there. So uh, what I'm really excited about this year's LVO is I'm going to go and participate and hang out. And take a look at your terrain and actually gather as much information about how you guys run your events. Because what I, if there's anything I've learned is um, copying is the most sincere form of flattery. And so if I find something that I like that you guys are doing, I'm 100% stealing it and then going to use it at my event. Nice. Just, just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, so, so speaking of planning for future events, let's talk about this year's event. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, what are what are some changes you made for those for those of the people who attended Iron Halo? Um, what are some changes that you've made to your event this year? Okay, uh, a couple couple issues that we had last year is there wasn't enough space, and so we've actually have a spare gym that is about maybe twenty five feet away uh, that we will put another you know twenty tables in, and our goal is not to have any players upstairs or to have like double tables we had there since this is like a, a kids ministry during the week uh there was like pool tables uh and we we're putting double boards on those pool tables so we're gonna get rid of that uh it would make it with those double boards it made it really hard for uh like dawn award deployments uh and, and things like that so we're gonna take that away uh we're going to uh we've actually increased we're increasing the price support as well uh, from the survey that we gave out uh, a few months ago we noticed that most people want ran- like 50% want random drawings, and then 25% want uh, pri- like uh, more of a you know performance level support, and then 
25% to to hobby related prizes. So so we're definitely going to go with that. Uh, and then another thing is we we had really good success with player achievements. Is, this is something I definitely stole from uh, Feast of Blades. You know, if you one of the things in Feast of Blades is they handed out handed out player achievements like Xbox Xbox achievements or Steam achievements. <laughs> yeah. They handed out purity seals for everything. And I 100% stole that from Feast of Blades, so thank you very much. And we're going to do the same thing. Uh, last year, we had <clears throat> like a certain number of achievements. because or We only had 36 purity seals, so not everyone can get, could get a purity seal. Uh, this year, it's going to be like wide open. I'm making, I've already got about 150 made, and I've just got to make about maybe another 100, 100 more. So we'll have you know, 250 purity seals to give out to all these players. Uh, some of the achievements will be like uh, whoever loses their game first. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, these are like one one to. I was like, "Hey, what do you think of these achievements?" Like, these are like sucky seals. I'm like, "What are you talking about? It doesn't matter. We're you're just pure, here to have a fun you're, time." You're getting you're getting a free purity seal to hang up on your wall or several. Um, <clears throat> it's more like a seal of shame, right? Yeah, I'm just uh, kidding. <laughs> well, it depends on it depends on do the so you you can you guys can actually watch the purity seal. Um, process making process uh, on Facebook uh, at the Iron Halo page. Um, right, correct? Am, am I correct? And that's on the Iron Halo page. Yeah, that's right. Just go to Facebook.com/slash Iron Halo GT, yeah. and that'll get you to to my my cheesy videos that I'm that I'm making. They're great. And that's, they're, <laughs> they're really cheesy. I just want to let you know they are. They are. They're a little cheesy, but they're they're very simple and they're very. You know, like if you if you're a new TO, you you want you want some some to wa- have a little bit of like entertainment slash maybe some learning. Um, they're not bad, uh, but those purity seals idea sounds amazing. I want I want at least ten. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna see I mean, how many I can get. I think we're gonna put them in the packet and uh, like another purity seal idea that we we're gonna do. Uh, and I also stole this from Feast of Blades. Um, if if some people know that we're there, but I won best sport at Feast of Blades because I literally bought every judge a beer. Like I literally spent a hundred dollars in beer for all the judges. Because I mean, you know what? The judges are awesome. Oh, They're yeah. taking time out of their day or out of their weekend to you know help judge a forty k event. So we're doing. We're gonna do. This was really successful last year, but this year, if you get give ten dollars to the the judges tab because we we'll have a snack bar there. Uh, you'll get a purity seal. So, what the judges tab does is uh, the judges can can go up and get drinks, soft drinks, you know, at at no cost because they're there and you know they need to eat and stuff. So, uh, we're doing that. We're doing uh, obviously first blood, first person to kill the warlord, first person to have the warlord die, you know, things like that. So, I expect to be handing out purity seals left and right up and down and around the corner nice uh, and then the other thing is uh with terrain i've actually <clears throat> i think i think i don't I, i'm pretty sure of this but i think i'm the one of the first tournaments to utilize 3d printing for terrain to its maximum advantage and so i've been able to crank out lots of terrain and what i like about it is if if the terrain is uh excuse me it works when you're uh the 3d printer works when you're sleeping so yes Absolutely, uh, I like that. And yep. it's, <clears throat> let's see. And then the la- one of the main things we're going to do is uh, we're also going to be streaming the entire tournament. So I think that's going to be really, really fun. Yeah, that's that's that'd be amazing. And of course, uh, last year 
you you had the Hoth board, which I was super bummed, bummed I couldn't attempt go attempts to win. Um, this year you you have thousands of dollars in prize support. Uh, tell me a little bit about what else you can earn at your event other than purity seals. Okay, so uh, we're actually going to be releasing something on Facebook about some of the some of the uh, performance based prizes. For example, you know, uh, best general, best overall, or, re- or Renaissance man. Uh, but we're giving out cash prizes to the uh, to those two pl- places. Uh, I'm waiting to see how all the numbers line up. But it'll be anywhere from three to four to even five hundred dollars per each place. Uh, and then on top of that, we've got diff- uh, a whole bunch of different sponsors that we have gathered uh, through this entire process. And right now, it's about uh, $2,300 in price support from like Frontline Gaming, uh, Secret Weapon Miniatures, uh, folks like that. And you can actually check them out at uh, all of our sponsors at ironhalo.org slash uh, sponsors and you can see who our sponsors are we'll be giving away tournament tickets uh you know uh mats i mean you name it i mean we're we'll be giving away a whole bunch of different goodies and so uh my goal is to get uh on top of the the purity seals and objective markers that every play, player will will essentially receive uh is to get 60 prizes that will be raff essentially raffled off or draw or drawn actually at the tournament so half the folks not only will walk a- will walk away with objective markers and purity seals but will be have a prize in their hand from a random drawing nice. so uh you know we want to give it to you guys we don't want to keep any of it yeah no that's that's amazing that's uh that's wonderful um i'm really looking forward to the music cues uh, <sighs> yes are you are you keeping so for the the music cues, guys? So um, we actually didn't do it last year. By oh way. no, I thought you would. Ah. Uh, well, we ran into like a downloading issue. The file because oh, it had to no. be two hours long was like going to download and take six hours to download. So we scrapped okay. it. So uh, for some of you guys there, or uh, for this year, we're going to be putting in audio cues for when the round starts, when you have an hour left, uh, and when you're supposed to do your your ten minute turns. Uh, you know, la- la- I don't think we'll have so much a problem this year now with eighth edition and the speed of play, but uh, I know ten minute terms were really crucial in a, a uh, quite a bit of the uh, upper level games in rounds five and six. So uh, that's that's hopefully we don't have to come to you know, hey, you this is your last turn for both of you guys. You know, we have to as tos we don't have to go do that. Hopefully we don't. Um, Yep. Yeah, that's 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 going to be pretty exciting. Yeah. So so guys, the Iron Halo, it's an open level event, over 100 players, 6 rounds, 2 days. Mean a major of, event? Uh oh, major. I'm so sorry. I I'm, uh, open open level and major they they're the same to me even though they're uh, oh, okay. they're different now. Uh I'm I'm going by I'm a dinosaur in ITC time. But um yes, it's it's an it's a major level event which is which is the ITC's largest event you can possibly get. Um so you get a lot of ITC points. Uh like Jason mentioned earlier, the winner of the ITC last year, Matt Root, uh his win at the Iron Halo uh, basically cemented his his first place going into the LVO. Uh his Brandon Grant was hot on his heels and Brett Perkins was not far behind him with a uh, with a crucial Atlanta GT. Uh high placement um so so 
it's 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 important. The Iron Halo is if you're if you're trying to win best in faction, trying to win best ITC, trying to get in the top ten. Um, the Iron Halo is one of the largest events that's not too close to the LVO. Um, so you can kind of plan for attending the Iron Halo and the LVO. Um, but it's close enough to the LVO so that it, when you need to attend it if you want to keep up your points, right? Um, so yep, it, that's exactly right. Yeah, so we, we kind of wanted to be like halfway in between LVO and the beginning of the season. That way players can decide, hey, do I want to go to this other event or do I have all my points lined up? You know, and, they, and, and they can do that. So Right. So perfect. So so enough about the Iron Halo. Um, these guys just got through a grueling experience listening to me by myself. <laughs> um, these poor, poor listeners, the, all of you who are still here with us, um, you guys are the best. Um, Thank you. But, but um, Jason, so... I just got done talking about... I haven't actually recorded this part of the podcast yet, um, but I I just got done talking about the ATC, the ATC list, um, and and the uh, the 8th edition meta, essentially. Right? So mm-hmm. as a TO, how, and being with the meta being in flux right now, um, how do you see yourself responding to 8th edition? Um, specifically, when Codexes come out, uh, power creep, uh, dealing with power creep... Um, you know, uh, the dealing with some of the spam lists, some of the problems, because because there there are some concerns about the eighth edition meta right now, um, and then of course anything that concerns the eighth edition meta concerns you directly as a tournament organizer. Um, so just tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about your thoughts on all that. That's like that's a really sticky subject because you know if there's anything I learned in 40k, everybody or, or there's a small vocal majority. Or more, excuse me, vocal minority. Yes, that is extremely vocal about their opinions, and you know, it, it, you kind of do you want to do you want to piss off the vocal majority or minor, minority that could potentially influence the people that want to attend your event, or do you you do the right thing and you you do what's best for the game? Uh, obviously, that's a whole a whole bunch up to interpretation, you know. You know, is is this better than that? You know, do we limit, you know, one to three units versus, you know, so on and so forth. So, uh, in my opinion, uh, I really enjoy the ITC because they create a standard of play that that uh, a majority, not everybody, but a majority of people enjoy and can get behind. You know, uh, last year we did a poll to see if we wanted to allow Death from the Skies, and from a uh, to my recon- recollection, it was almost a 75% majority in favor not to allow Death from the Skies. So, uh, in my personal opinion, I think <clears throat> the meta is is not stable yet. I mean, we, all, we don't even have codexes released. We can't. Uh, I feel like we can't make any decisions on what to ban and what not to ban. Uh, however, with that said, uh, since... You know, we kind of want to be one of the mid, one of the premier ITC events in the Midwest, and so basically, whatever the ITC does is what we will be doing as well. So, for example, you know, uh, powerpoints, uh, no, no units above uh, level thirty-one powerpoints. So we're not going to allow that. You know, we'll be doing uh, things like missions. We're actually going to be doing uh, Renegade Open missions as well as ITC missions. Nice. So that's a, a good mix. Uh, Renegade Open is very popular, and I really feel like combining those two, it'll be very difficult to uh, build 
I mean, it would be challenging to build lists for those two type events, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that's that's smart that you're you're picking, you're essentially cherry picking the best missions um, to make create the most fun for your event. That's something mm-hmm. uh, we at the ITC tried to do um, with the mission pack, the combined arms mission pack. Um, creating, you know, adding and incorporating the Renegade Open missions and the Nova missions. I know the Renegade missions are haven't been released yet, um, as far as I, I'm aware. I might be wrong, um, but as soon as those come up, they'll obviously they'll be added. Uh, and yeah, it's it's important as a TO to make sure to make mission the missions a focal point for fun, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so cherry picking missions, um, smart call. Uh, I don't fault you for it all. Um, now, nope. as ads, in terms of following the ITC, uh, is this is this going to be a wait and see until after the BAO type thing? Because I know there hasn't been an ITC vote yet. Uh, not a big one, obviously. There was a vote for the BAO, um, which kind of shed a little bit of light on what the direction the medal was going to take. Um, but it's obviously not set in stone. The community can still right. turn around and, and vote the opposite way. Uh, it's happened a couple times. But... Mm-hmm. Um, what after the BAO and after you see, get a general idea of what the ITC is going to do, um, is there anything else that you think you want to you want to add to it if it's not there? Like, is there anything you like you desperately you desperately want out of the game that you think? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, what I want is not ne- necessarily what what everyone wants. Of course. And so I've got to put my 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 desires and my opinions aside and kind of figure out what the whole entire group wants. And so, you know, I'm, I, we're personally going to wait until after the, obviously after the BAO, hopefully there'll be a vote, uh, sometime, in the, uh, after the BAO in August, but we'll, we'll do a cutoff, uh, 30 days before the event. So any FAQs, any ITC rule, cha- rules changes will not be accepted after that. Nice. So, uh, unless, unless it's like, you know, uh, what I could see happening is maybe a faction is released, you know, the week after. We might do a vote to see, hey, do you want to allow this uh, this codex in to to tournament play? And I could see us doing that. But uh, just for now, anything thirty days out. Uh, I think our our date is uh, maybe August thirtieth or thirty first, somewhere around there. But anything before then is legal, and anything after is not. And that'll be the same with any ITC votes or or uh, results. So. Okay, perfect. All right, Jason. Well, I, I think uh, that'll that'll be it. Stop taking up your time. I'm sure you have a bunch of terrain left to build. Um, <laughs> I do. Yeah. I definitely do. Yeah, you got to get that hour a day, man. Hour a day. <laughs> hour a day terrain. Okay, Jason. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, for the listeners who want to attend Iron Halo, how would you go about purchasing tickets? Well, we have partnered up with Best Coast Pairings because they are awesome pairings uh, or awesome tournament support tool that we use. They can do ticket sales. And so actually the easiest way to go do it is to go to ironhalo.org and there's a big button that says buy your ticket here. So <laughs> you just click on it and it'll take you to the Best Coast Pairing page to buy your ticket. Currently we're at uh, 30 players right now. And so, yeah, we have a ways to go, but it's also two and a half months to the event. So uh, we got plenty of time to build those numbers up. And uh, some people like uh, Buck Temple have not bought their ticket yet. So, mm, Buck, uh, Buck I added you out. Yes, right. I am calling you out. So, uh, anyway, if 
<clears throat> guys, come on out. It's going to be a great time. Uh, I, ran, I just ran the numbers. We, we got our hotel accommodations. Uh, and again, for maybe 100, 150 bucks, including, uh, uh, not including food and travel expenses, uh, you'll have a, a great time at, at the Iron Halo. So come on, come on out and see us. Nice. All right, Jason, thank you for coming on, man. You have a good one. Thank, thanks, Pablo. You too, buddy. Bye.